Hey, Meredith, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How about you? Great. I'm excited to talk to you today. All right. So today I really want to talk about, to be frank, uh, death and dying. Um, You know, because I think I did have an experience, you know, we talked about it last week, like when I was 11, I almost lost you. Um, That obviously didn't happen. And so the older I get, um, the more and more I realize I need to deal with the, the fundamental truth, which is that, you know, people are always going to die, um, myself included. So, yeah, I think, I think it's really important to talk about these things really before they happen because, you know, I think it, it kind of helps to, I mean, helps to prepare you for, again, the inevitability of it, you know. Right. Yeah, um, I, I always enjoyed, um, I have a brother-in-law that's a writer, and you know him, and um, he, a lot of times with the older people in his family, he spent time talking to them, um, finding out what things, what they did when they were younger, how their life was, and that, that sort of, I think, in, in his case, helps him, you know, sort of deal with that, but it's it's just being real about everything. Yeah, absolutely, which I think is, is, is such an important thing, no matter what, um, but especially when it comes to something like dying, um, it's really, it doesn't help anybody <laughs> to try and, um, to try and change that fact, like, and, it, and, and really, um, it almost just serves to kind of project your own fear onto that person when in that moment all they really need is somebody to just sit with them and you know and just level with them and be honest because I think that I mean we all deserve truth all the time um but you know especially I know if I were dying I wouldn't want I wouldn't want somebody to oh no you're not dying like yes I am (laughs) you know yeah yeah, and, and especially if it's a, a situation where the person's ill and they know it, you know it, the people around them know it, um, it everybody's going to be better off um, if you if you talk about it and, and be real. Um, it, it doesn't do any good to, to skirt the issue. Um, and, I mean, I, I had kind of a, well, go on with your point, and then we'll, we'll we'll move forward. Yeah. So I mean, so that is one of the things that I think is important here is that um, really just being able to sit with somebody and saying like, first of all, like that it sucks, and also not try and change the reality because you know, yeah, there's absolutely things that. Um, that I can exert control over and that I can change, but, um, death and dying really isn't one of them. And, and to be honest with you, I think what's really interesting about this topic for me is that, you know, my, my view of death has absolutely 
you know, changed, like evolved and, and morphed into something different than, than it used to be, um, you know, when I had, like, I have had, you know, your parents, my grandparents pass away, and I almost uh, lost you, and there's other, other situations of death that have absolutely, you know, been around me, and the place that I sit now with it is an entirely different place than before, where before I was, um, I was very, I was very fearful of it in a way that I don't think I'm, I mean, it's hard to sit here and say to you, like, oh, I'm not afraid of dying, because I, I think until you're faced with the situation, it's, it's, it's kind of, you can't really make a call about how you're going to feel in that moment. But right. um, I used to be so, so afraid of dying, because I didn't understand what that meant. And I didn't have any real evidence or, or frame of reference of how to deal with that. And that really hasn't necessarily changed in the way of like factual, like physical evidence I can put my hands on and, and read like a research article. You know, I can't, there's, with a topic like this, I mean, you know, we only really know what we have in our physical reality here. And then we kind of have to put faith is the best way to put it. Um, or trust in what we don't know. And so for me, yes. for me, what really I, I came to kind of, I came to an understanding to, I've heard it, I, I've heard it from somebody so that I, this isn't necessarily like something that I came to by myself, um, but I can't quite remember who. So, you know, at any rate, but it's this idea that, you know, life here is truly it's it's a it's a march from birth to death it is a you know there's a clock there's a there's a clock that that runs on it and it's really if you think about it in terms of a river the river flows one one direction right and something that was such a helpful thing in this you know metaphor is that well, well two things so the first thing is I can try and like get out onto the bank of the river, right? But in this metaphor, in the in the way that it's set up, um, that's not really that's not possible. You know, it's not some it, you you can't I can't for a minute step out of this life that I'm locked into that eventually will end in death. Um, I can try, but. At the end of the day, I'm going to keep getting pulled back in. This is a strong river. Let's just let's go with it. So, yeah, well, I think what I would add there is you're right. It's like a river. But, you know, like any river, you've got parts of it that, you know, they become, you know, not very wide. And so you're just flowing along and there's not a lot of room to to do much and you just continue to go. But then every once in a while, the river comes to a, a wide open space. And, you know, there might even be like an area where the water's calm on the right or the left. And even though it's flowing down the middle and, you know, that might be a space like in your life that you can pull aside a little bit and just reflect and and help yourself mentally. And then and then when you feel like you're ready again, you 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 make your way more toward the middle of the river and you, you, you keep making your way down, down, down south. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. So that's an important point that, 
you know, when you need to take a break, you, you absolutely need to find it and, and etch out that time for yourself. I think it's popularly coined self-care, but, but yeah. But so the other, the, the finish, the, the other part of the metaphor is two things. So first of all, this idea that, and this is really, truly what helps me with death and the idea of death is that just because someone's physical life here ends, doesn't mean they're gone forever. Now, now, yes, in the physical reality, their 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 body, you know, they're not living in their body anymore. That's true. Um, but but I think the end to this metaphor really is: if you think of all rivers, they all flow into the ocean, and so their um, soul or whatever it is that that you were, you know you're comfortable with labeling it. I think your body ends, but your soul doesn't. And I think that, you know, you live on in various ways, but, you know, one of the things that I think is so, um, one of the things that I think is so, I think, difficult about grief is is the, the fact that you don't have the physical body anymore to point your love at. So right. it just kind of, sits with you instead of like me being able to call you and just you know hey I love you and I'm glad you're my life it's like well that doesn't exist anymore in the physical and I think that's why I mean that might be I feel like what what was so scary before because that doesn't I mean again there's not physical evidence I can point to to make that okay in my mind so I had to come about it you know in my own way yeah I mean, what I might add there is, um, is that in the, the course of me coming to a different place with, with death in my life, um, I, I have realized that when people, you know, die, that, you know, you give it a little bit of time to grieve. And then once you're, uh, you know, you feel like you've passed that, you look toward the celebration of life that how much they meant to you and to your family and to others um, and allow yourself to remember all the, the great things that that experiences you had with the person. Um, and, and it really, when you, when you can switch, you know, the switch on like that and start thinking about that stuff, it takes all that insecurity away. It, it pulls it, you know, it pulls it aside. And, um, you know, I was going to say earlier, you know, C.S. Lewis has wrote that grief felt so like fear. And, you know, that that piggybacks on our last podcast where the, you know, we were talking about fear. And so you, you have to find ways to get yourself away from the fear. And um, I, I know for me with, you know, the experiences of, of, my grandparents and my parents passing away, you know, now it's, it's, I totally look at it as how, how happy I am that, that they were part of my life and, and they taught me so much. And, you know, I, I realize now that when they told me that they were so proud of me, that they really, really meant it. I, I think sometimes you don't, you don't accept that in, in, in a real life setting you know, you think people are maybe putting on more than what they think. But, um, I, again, I just, I, I look at it, I look, I, 
I think if you look at it in a celebration sense and and know that you're going to get to see them again, you know, once your river crosses into the ocean, I, my belief is that that I'm going to get, you know, re, reunited with all those loved ones. Right. Yeah. And I think the other extension to that um, and the way that I frame it in my mind is is really the same idea, just the different side of the coin, which is that, you know, um, grief, as it were, you know, not having the physical body to, like, point your love to anymore, um, you wouldn't even feel that if that person didn't exist in your life, you know, I mean, people die all the time, and I don't feel the pain of strangers dying, you know, unless, like, I'm confronted with it for some reason or another, you know, it doesn't affect me in the same way, and, and truly, without that relationship that you had with the person you know that really is what it is and so yeah if you can change the narrative change the narrative like yeah you lost them that's absolutely true and you have to hold that still you know you have to process that part of it but then also kind of at the same time if you can flip the script and change the narrative to well you know I'm I'm absolutely I'm grateful that they were in my life and I'm grateful, like you said, for the things that they taught me and everything like that. It kind of, it creates this, this space for you to, um, you know, make your peace with it. And, and, and again, it's not, it's not necessarily one or the other. It's both. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think like, that really I, is the challenge of death, um, yeah. especially when we're talking about your own perspective or your own experiences, rather. Like, um, eventually, my all of my grandparents and both of my parents will pass away. That is something that I absolutely cannot change, no matter how hard I try. And in the same, you know, same way, I will absolutely die. And so I think we have to get better at having both, um, having both. Like, like I can, I can have, you know, the intense grief. I can have the unresolved fear, but how do I kind of surrender to it? Which is the idea Uh of not not trying to swim against the current, you know, to go on with that that kind of metaphor is like, how do you surrender to it? Because you're not going to be able to get out of the river of time. You know, that's a futile right. thing to try and do. Um, so instead, how do we really work with it and well, let it be? I, I have something that I'd like to say along that note, but I guess first let me uh, step aside for a second and, and just kind of give you some of the uh, the things that the the death for me that's that, that I've experienced in the past few years. Of course, everyone knows about you know my illness, but I had my mom had passed away in 2003, and um, I never grieved the you know uh, this was one of the things I was going to mention earlier is that uh, you know there's the five stages of grief. Um, the, when I looked it up, I believe it's Elizabeth Cobbleroth. 
is is who I pick out this information from. Um, but you, you know, you one have the the shock and disbelief of it all, um, which of course I experienced thinking about you know me passing as well. Then you go through a sadness, depression. That's the second stage. Third stage, anger. Um, you know, mad that that it happened. Mad that maybe they left you alone, or or mad that you didn't do enough, or um, and then for bargaining, where you look for ways to get your out, get yourself out of it without using reality. I think. Um, and then five is is where you get to the acceptance acceptance phase where you look, realize that the loss has really happened and my life will continue. Um, and again, I will, I'll talk more even to that when I get to um, another topic in a minute. But so I said that, you know, my mom passed away in 2003. I never really grieved that. So uh, then I experienced my kidney failure. And then in 2010, before I even got my kidney transplant, probably this was in June, my father passed away in 2010 in June, which just so happened to be, it was like right after um, your brother uh, and my son's um, graduation from high school. And, you know, I was glad that my dad got to see that. And then, and then of course he passed away. So I had to, at that point I realized I had to go through the, the five stages of grief for both of them. I think I had held off on my mom because I still had my dad here to kind of cope and just forget about the fact that, you know, mom wasn't there and maybe it was that I was helping him get by and, and, you know, he was helping me get by, but, but then he passed away. So I had to, you know, come to grips with it all. Mm-hmm. And it, it was no fun. It was, it was terrible. It was, it was really, really, really bad. And it's okay to think that it's okay. Sometimes you have to just, you know, stand up and say, this is, this is a bunch of crap. I don't like it. Yeah. Um, and, but that's okay. Cause that's part of the process. Um, so, so then, you know, too, I've had, before that I had had several um, aunts and uncles on both sides of, of my mom and dad's family that had passed away. I mean, I vivid, I vividly remember one well because um, they lived in Alabama and we used to go over and visit all the time. And we, we, I loved them very much. And it was my mom's uh, brother's wife. And, and we just, I, I so enjoyed um, being over there and loved her cooking and they had a big farm and it was just, it was great times. Um, and then after she passed away, the family called my mom and said that, um, said that she had asked that part of, uh, the funeral that she asked for me to be one of the pallbearers. So my mom came to me and I, I was really caught off guard, but, you know, it was something that I think helped me, you know, get through it is, is, is bad as it seemed knowing I had to do that. I think after the fact, it was, it was a very great experience and very, very helpful. Um, so there's many different things that can go on over the course of, of life that, that will, um, you know, that you'll experience through, through the deaths and, and, and passing of people. But, um, 
again, like I said, I try to take um, an approach of let's find the good stuff and and not not dwell on the bad. Um, so if you want to, I guess, expand on that and then maybe I'll get to this other part. Yeah. So, yeah, I think there's a couple things that um, stand out to me. So the first thing is that, you know, it, it's not really a matter of, you know, it's like I said, we can't change reality. So if we sit with the reality, we're going to have those dark thoughts. We're going to have the, it's not fair or the, well, I should have done this or, you know, all of those are going to roll in your head. Um, so if we can kind of, um, there's a spiritual teacher that uh, has really helped me with a lot of this. And I think what's interesting about him and then also the way that I look at world religions is that you don't have to pick one um, if you want to and you feel called to great. Um, but I think even if you do that, there's room in in that to kind of like take pieces from places that that make you you know feel peace and all of that so at any rate this teacher Ram Das um who's his original name original name was R- Richard Alpert um he was a Harvard psychologist turned spiritual teacher um anyway and so he recently passed in December and what was interesting about this is that he had talked about death and he has a lot of great talks and quotes about that and for somebody that I had never met, he truly was an influential person in my life and a lot of other people's lives that served to kind of shift my perspective from the fear and, you know, uh, like the, the parts that don't seem fair and all of that. So right. at any rate, there's two things that have really st- stuck with me that he said. And the first one is that Uh, Death is not an error. It is not a failure. It is taking off a tight shoe. And so Mm -hmm. to expand on that, I think it's, it's this idea that we don't always, again, however you decide to frame it in your mind, um, we don't always have the blueprints for what is supposed to happen. And I think when we, when we put that onto a situation we're really just being unfair to ourselves and others because you know it's one thing when we think about the death of an elderly person right we we can see that their body is not as great as it used to be we can see that you know they're ready and it is it's easier for us to to let them take off that tight shoe as it were um right but i think that when we when we're talking about you know our children that pass away in childhood or our our children that pass away in adulthood or our parents that pass away young and unexpectedly and those kinds of situations that's when I feel like we try and almost I mean it's kind of it's the idea of bargaining but also in that it's 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 trying to play God or trying to play trying to play like well you know I just don't think that's fair or, you know, if I were God, I wouldn't have screwed up. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know how I think it it almost kind of speaks to 
this idea that I've also come to believe, which is that not only do we not have the blueprints, but who's to say that that was there, you know, like, yes, there's loss. So in the case of like, if I died today, yes, there'd be loss. I wouldn't get to live out the whatever 80, 60 years of the rest of my life. But, but, but also just by saying that one statement, you're again trying to kind of play God. Who's not to say that I didn't do all that I came here to do. You know, right. there's always room. I think there's always room to, to, to change and, and to impact more people's lives and all of that. But, but sometimes I think it's just easier if we, if we try and try and not take that perspective because like this quote says, like, it's not an error. It's not a failure. And, and, and sometimes it is just a tight shoe that doesn't fit anymore. And, and you're ready. Um, even if again, it doesn't fit into that standard readiness, which is a, you know, a 90 year old tired body. Right. If I could add here, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And, um, you know, the thought of when you said, you know, who's to say they didn't get a lot accomplished or whatever is so true. Um, I, we had a cousin in Alabama. It was the same family I spoke of earlier. Um, that one of my, um, aunts or actually it was my cousin. She had had a son and he was born with spina bifida. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I remember them telling, uh, my aunt and uncle that, um, I'm sorry, my cousins that, that, you know, he probably wouldn't live very long. Well, this boy, he was very, he just was a character and he was, he was just outgoing and he loved life despite the fact that he lived his life in a wheelchair from the day he was born. And he lived until after he graduated from high school. And this was, it's almost unheard of, um, and, you know, he touched so many lives and he meant so much to so many people. And, you know, he was just a, a blessing. And so, you know, I, I, I have a belief, I, I guess I didn't speak of it much earlier, but, you know, I, I believe in God and I believe that, that, you know, there's, there's a plan, there's, there's a plan that's set forth. And, um, you know, in, in, in this little boy's life, that was his plan was, you know, he was going to be sent here to earth. And then he, you know, he played a role. He played a very vital role in, in helping others through many, many things and probably inspired countless people. So, you know, the moral of that story is, is that you hear of people that you don't know that maybe lived two years, five years, 10 years, and you almost always hear everybody that talks about that person that they had touched so many lives in so many ways. Yeah. You, you can't even, you can't even put like a, a measure stick on it. But, um, so, you know, it, that, that's the way life is. Um, it's like we've talked before where, you know, we go through peaks and valleys and it's the valleys that help us to reach out and look for ways to get better and by reaching out and we getting better, I mean, we end up helping other people. And 
you know, not with just helping ourselves, we help other people. So, um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, so there's two things that, um, that I want to talk about. And the first one is that, you know, there's another quote by Rumi, who is a Sufi teacher, philosopher, and poet. Um, and the, the quote is, the wound is the place the light enters you. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting about that is usually for us, it takes us like humans, it takes intense pain to kind of wake us up to reality and that and get us to that place of surrendering to the truth, whatever it might be. So I know for me, um, last year, I guess it was, um, I started having intense, like, physical pain that nobody could really understand. And then eventually, I figured out a lot of it was like diet related and um, other things. And so anyway, I ended up fixing that, but only only because I had physical pain attached to it. Right. So I think, yeah, I think that sometimes the wound doesn't even have to be your own wound. And, and, and really, that's kind of a blessing, right? I mean, yeah, oftentimes it does take us to go through something, whatever it might be, that's traumatic or, or terrible or all of those things. But, but, if, but when we can learn from somebody else, um, we're doing ourselves a favor, but we're also doing really them a favor. Like every time that, you know, we think of the, the loved ones that passed or the loved ones that have different challenges than we did, um, I think you're really, you're living through them. You're living, you know, with them in those moments, even if they're not here. Right. Let, and let me just add this. I thought about this earlier. Um, you know, when when you're, you know, interacting with people in any situation, whether it's in your family or out shopping or whatever, and, and you hear them say things and you think maybe critical thoughts about it or whatever, just try to always remember, because we've been in these positions where, you know, we've got a lot going on, you know, for whatever reason, like in your case, like then when you were really having those um, problems with the eating in the stomach. And, and by the way, I'm glad you got that corrected because I know you feel so much better and you, 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 you're able to enjoy life better now. But the, what I'm trying to get at is that the, we don't, you have no clue what anybody else is going through at any given time of anybody's life. You may, you may have a neighbor that, you know, they're always smiling and they're always saying, Hey, from the mailbox and, they're just always out working and doing this, but you really have no idea maybe what, what, what things are, 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 you know, knotted up in their stomach day to day, hour to hour. So, you know, that this is why we need to learn to be kind and be, you know, careful how we, you know, react yeah. to people. Absolutely. And, um, really that, that kind of goes to like perfectly into the next quote that I did want to share is it's also by Ram Dass. Um, and he always said that we're all just walking each other home. Right. And so I think what's so beautiful about that particular quote is that I feel like at least that one sentence can bring so much 
peace to anybody because I hear it and I interpret the word home differently, probably safe to say than than you do or than other people do. I mean, we're all going to interpret that differently. And yet um, the the gravity of that statement can still sit with with people that, you know, feel differently about things. And um, two things there. Um, I was just going to say is that, you know, again, if I haven't said it before, I know, I mean, I know I said it before, but on the podcast, I truly think that's the beautiful thing about humans is that we don't all have to have the same opinions or viewpoints or perspectives. And um, yeah, I mean, we're all just walking each other home. It's like, even if you, you know, oftentimes we think of that sentiment in terms of your significant other or your, your children or people that you're really close to, but, but what you're talking about is, is no. I mean, we're all on this journey together. And so if we're sharing the space in the supermarket, then, you know, we're still, we're on the journey together. We're walking together. Yeah. No, no question about it. We, we, we talk, people say, well, you know, the walk of life. Well, it is, it's the walk of life. And, and this is perfect. I mean, you, you get to have the ability to, to walk the walk of life with somebody to help you get home. And, Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's a, it's a hard concept for people to um, wrap their hand around or the head around, but you know we are we're all we're all brothers and sisters. It you know it, it doesn't have to do with race. It doesn't have to do with color. It doesn't have to do with um, you know your your monetary sense in the world. It doesn't have to do with anything. And but yet that's what the world's built everything up to be. And, and so that's, that's the challenge, but yeah, I mean, if you, if you break things down to simple, you know, this just makes, reminds me, I, I used to, I, I used to run a, a lot of retail stores years past. And the thing that I always found the most, uh, the best course of action for anything that I did and got and accomplished things was simplify everything. Make things simple. Don't make them difficult. So, you know, all these things that are, all the things that that we deal with in the world, it's all forces to make it difficult. And we have to find a way to sort of set ourselves aside from it, you know, get in that part of the river where it's a calm and look for the people that want to be there with you and help you. And gather, and y'all gather, and then you move on. Right. On, your, on your way home yeah yeah definitely because I think that I mean you're right it's like uh we don't have a set time to be here and I think we're all better off you know I mean so there's something to be said right there there's something to be said for having um compassion and understanding and you know sharing in equanimity with with everyone um which there's some people that are capable of that and there's some people that are not so um i mean i think kind of what you're saying is um you know it's important to to gather with people that are going to to share that so even if you don't have the same beliefs or the same um you know run the list of other things as long as they can look at you in the eye and see you as a human and, and, and treat you as such, it's like, those are the people we need to gather with. And those are the people that, um, 
you know, surround yourselves with because the people that can live with you in truth and that, that don't try and change your reality and that don't try and, you know, um, yeah, I mean, just control you in that way. It's like those are the people that that you need to invest your time with here because, uh, like I said, we don't get a predetermined amount of time. And right. I think, I mean, and something something else too in that is the idea of like of loving awareness so which is also <laughs> which is also a Ramdas thing but it's like yeah you know I I don't always I don't always have the same um, beliefs as my friends and you know as a kid and as a younger person I think that really kind of was a barrier because when you're younger and, and more immature and emotionally immature, it's like people people can't understand how you can be in a group with somebody and you not have the same, I mean, be the same person, you know? You know? Right. And I think as you get older, you really come to understand that, no, I mean, if if I can provide, you know, if I can like, lovingly be with somebody as they have a completely different experience than me um and i can say you know i I don't agree with you but i hear you i think that's just such a like that's such a valuable thing and i mean i know we've kind of we've kind of come off the, the topic of death but it's like but but in that one idea it's like well that's the blueprint for everything because Right. You know, if you think about these people that, you know, I mean, I don't, I haven't been with a dying person to my not, I mean, I don't think I ever have actually, um, but there's people that do that for a living where all day long they, you know, hospice nurses and, and people like that, um, there's, there's some people that they're actually called like death doulas. And so yeah. for those people, it's like they wouldn't have a job if they tried to change the reality of that person's experience and, you know, like we talked about earlier, trying to, well, you're not dying. Oh, oh no. But instead they really, they really sit with them and they, and they, and they let them have the thoughts and experiences and feelings that they are inherently going to have without trying to change it, which I mean, kind of reminds me also of the, you know, the situation of birth, which, I feel like really ties into this. And again, I haven't been around people that are giving birth, but, but yeah, I'd like, I'd like to hear you talk about either of those ideas, you know, because you have, I think been around both kinds of, you know, both experiences, people that have given birth and people that have passed away. Hey, I think you muted yourself. I don't hear, I can't hear you. Okay. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. A little glitch, guys. Sorry, we're still new at this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, what I was saying is, yeah, we need, first off, we all need to help each other in whatever ways we can and and realize that, yeah, everybody's different. Everybody thinks about things different. We've we've talked about that. But, you know, even even in in, in believing in God, God believes that you, 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 be nice to everybody and forgive people and and do and just and just you know be good good to people. So 
there's there's that and and I think that ties into you know last week when we were talking about the coronavirus and I think you know we're, we're starting to see some people come out of their shells and and step out of the box the box that we like to talk about that that you know they're starting to realize that there are other people and they need to be they're going to benefit if they you know reach out and and let people help them and help them so there you know there's that um yeah as far as the the other um yeah i definitely feel like you know when when kids are born it's a i mean it's a tough thing but i, I think it's i think it is sort of an exchange and and it's a constant it's a constant flow. I mean, there, there's people dying and there's people being born every day. I mean, you know, the numbers aren't going to match exactly, but I do believe that there's a, it's sort of the circle of life. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and interestingly enough, one of, um, one of your sisters and one of my daughters, when she was born, she was born after my mom had passed away and the first time I don't remember what age she was, but I, I, we showed her a picture of my mom and she said, she very candidly said, I know her. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay, you know her. And she said, yeah. I said, Oh, that's great. Yeah. That, that's grandma. And I, I said, really? And she goes, yeah, I, I was with her. I saw her. So, you know, that being said, you know, I, I believe that just like I believe I'm going to go and get reunited with my, you know, family, you know, I, who's to say that, that, Mary, uh, that, that your sister was not there and, you know, my mom sort of passed her, passed her on. So, um, you know, it's, it's something that I think people don't like to think about. If there's, well, for me, I, I don't always just live and breathe on what I know to be absolute truth. Sometimes I think you have to, you know, think about things and just think what they, what they mean to you. And that's okay. So, you know, my common sense tells me that, that I think there's a very, I think there's a pattern, you know, in that, that people pass away and there's people born and it's, I don't know. I don't know if that's the, what you were looking for, but that's kind of where I'm, that's the way I see it. Yeah. No. Yeah. So, um, I mean, we kind of touched on that before, which is that, you know, just because I can't physically put my hands on something doesn't mean that it's real or sorry, actually doesn't mean that it's not real. And, right. um, I mean, exactly that. So there's two things that come to mind. And the first thing is that, um, you know, it's been theorized. I don't, know if it'll ever be proven but it's been theorized that where we go in the dream space and you know when we sleep is is that place which is why um you pot well possibly why (laughs) you need to be careful with your speech when you're talking about things that are theories but but which is possibly why people get visited by people that have passed on in their dreams and sometimes people that aren't even born yet um i've heard people talk about you know, their their future child coming in and visiting them in a dream. And right. so I think that it's just so important to, you know, I, 
first of all, be okay with not knowing things, you know. So one of the big aspects of death is people are scared. So be okay with the unknown um, and sit with your fear. And then through that, find the perspective that works for you, which, you know, whatever it might be, um, the celebration of life, the the fact that they're not actually, like, gone, gone. They're just not here on this physical plane. Right. And then maybe, like, allow yourself to open up to the things that we just don't know and we just genuinely do not understand um, from our limited perspective here on Earth. You know, we... We only know what we know, <laughs> and yeah, exactly. and that and that that has to be okay because again, it is a reality that uh, that we we have to live with. And so, one of the things too that well, so I'll finish up my thought and then I'll, I'm gonna re ask I'll I'll ask you that question again because there there's something else that I kind of want to touch on, but. So the cyclical nature of things that's so interesting that you mentioned that because. Again, that is another coming to terms with life and death and and birth and death in that way has been so helpful for me. And the idea that I read about um, is a it's a um, Buddhist idea and it's called samsara. And simply put, it's the cycle of death and rebirth to which life in the material world is bound. Um, And I think that, you know, we can see this everywhere not just in humans um if you think about winter being the death and then spring coming and being the rebirth it's like you know these things life here is cyclical and Mm -hmm. we can try and fight the wheel of fortune the wheel of time as it were or we can ride the you know ride the current the river yeah right no, I mean, just a little tiny side note. No, it's it's great that there's winters and things too because it, it kills off the bugs and, you know, it allows the the atmosphere to sort of reset itself and then mm-hmm. you, you get back. So, yeah, I mean, every, everything is a cycle. And, mm-hmm. and I think people don't realize that life is sort of a cycle. And, I mean, I, that, that could go for, for any part of your life, whether it's – because I remember my dad used to talk about cycles in business. But anyway, I don't, I don't want to go off that, <laughs> <laughs> off that rabbit hole. But, um, okay, well, what was your question? Well, okay, so I think a big factor, a big part of dealing with grief because, you know, of course, we've talked about death and kind of the uh, – more realm of the idea of it um but but talking about death in the more personal perspective um and we can revisit the stages of grief if you want but um what I really want to get to is so first of all I think that it's an important lesson for us as humans to learn that Um, we have the power to validate our own reality. So that is great for most facets of life, right? Um, If I am upset about something that somebody else did, I need to have the capability to validate that experience in myself without trying to get that other person to validate it because they might not see it that same way. They might not have had the intention of 
making me upset. So if I don't, if I can't validate that feeling within myself, then we're going to have this kind of roundabout fight that doesn't get you anywhere. So if instead I can say, well, that's how I feel. I'm validated how I feel. I understand that's not what you meant. Then we can kind of move forward. So that's in the more acute situation, you know, um, or no, well, yeah, I, sorry, I messed it up. That's kind of more in the chronic situation where it's like, you're just dealing with mundane things. But in a situation like death or birth, where it is so acute and it is so, um, like I said, it's not something that you can change. Like once somebody starts labor, uh, you know what I mean? Like they, I can't, you can't just put a plug in and be like, okay, we're not doing this, you know, come back tomorrow. It's like, you have to move out of the way and let it happen. And Mm -hmm. so I'd be interested from somebody who has sat with, um, women that have given birth, but also men or, well, I shouldn't even say that, but a person or people that have passed away, um, what has that experience been like for you just kind of like validating it and, and, and kind of being, you know, being a sounding board almost, or I guess it's not really a question, but yeah, I'd I'd like to hear you talk about those experiences, I guess. Um, I, I, okay. So as far as like births, um, I have a fair amount of experience with that. (laughs) So, you know, I guess with your brother would have been the first birth I experienced. And I mean, it was a very, um, it was an awesome, just very, it's something that I think I I would hope that everybody could go through. Um, now again, I'm, I'm speaking from the male perspective. I'm not so sure that, uh, um, you know, that your mom would, would feel that way, but that that's, she has a different process that with that, but, you know, I can say that you, once the child is born, all the pain and all the, uh, I was going to say you're excited at first, but then it becomes panic. It just becomes sheer, sort of just sheer panic. It's like, it's like, organized chaos up until the actual birth once you you know the water breaks and you get to the hospital um and it really just becomes kind of you're 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 just told you're just trying to hold the rope because you're being yanked there's you either you either grab the rope or you're gonna be left behind (laughs) so um but then when it's when when the child's born you know immediately those thoughts expire. I mean, it just goes away and, and you turn from just total chaos on your face to you're smiling, you're crying. You can't believe what just happened, you know? So, you know, with birth, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's just truly amazing. And I, I, I would just say that, I mean, you know, having children just may, it's, maybe not for everybody, but if, if I hope that if you would like children or anybody that would, that, that you'd get to experience that. Um, as far as death, um, you know, I can't remember if I mentioned last week about my mom passing away, but I didn't, um, maybe you can remind me, did I talk about her passing away? No. Okay. 
she passed away in 2003 and um it was really hard for me because um i didn't i didn't i didn't go over to my mom and dad's house that often um but i did try to get by well on the week of my birthday i, I believe it was actually my birthday it may have been but again it may have been a different day but um but that that week I decided I would go by. I think I was in the area. So I go in. It was probably after lunchtime about, and my dad's at the table like he usually was. And, and I said, how's it going? You know, it's going good. I said, well, I just came by to see y'all. And he said, well, your mom's sleeping. And he said, but you can go back there and, and, and see her. I said, well, I don't want to, I don't want to bother. My mom later in life was, she, she had experienced um, lung cancer and then had some uh, a heart attack and had a couple of heart surgeries. So, you know, I know that she needed to rest and things and just not knowing how long she had been resting or whatever. I just, I kind of decided that it was okay. I mean, I would just check up with her next time I came. So, you know, my dad and I spent some more time chatting and then, then I went on my way. Well then, you know, a few days later, uh, you know, I get the call that, that, that mom had passed away. And, um, so, you know, immediately I was, I was th- th- flooded with, oh my gosh. I mean, I, I, I totally should have gone in and, and talked to her and I didn't. And I feel, I felt like I had, um, you know, I felt bad. I felt, I felt the, um, I felt mad at myself for, for not doing that, you know, which is, obviously the anger of the five stages of grief. Um, so, so there's that. And then, you know, like I said, from there, I pretty much just, you know, decided that, uh, I still had my dad so that that was what I was going to focus on for the remainder of however long. So, so then, you know, with my dad, the experience was different. He got sick and went into the hospital and, we think it was had some to he had fallen and and needed to go into intensive care and but then he he was having some problems with um um i can't remember what it's called right now uh, it'll come to me oh, parkinson's some lights he had a mild form of parkinson's so anyway he did really well the first couple of days and you know really came back and was you know you know, talking and, and everything. And then, then he had a setback and had a stroke. And, um, so then my sisters and I just decided that it was time to, you know, kind of rally the troops and, and, and we could tell that he was, um, he could barely talk, I think. And he, he really could hear you if you, if you talked to him in his ear. And so we would do a lot of that. And we all just kind of came to the consensus that, you know, you know, the time was coming and we needed to accept that. So, um, you know, we called who we could and, and let people know that if they need, if they wanted to come by and see him, that they, they could. So, and, and people did. So, so then, then, you know, a day or so later he passed away and, you know, it was a totally different experience. I mean, I still had all the stages of grief, but I did, it wasn't a shock. It wasn't a, a blow to the system. Mm -hmm. It was more, 
calculated and, and it, it just felt way different. Um, not that it didn't have the same impact, but it just, it, it was, it was a different experience. So, um, you know, those are kind of the, the two most glaring events in my life. I mean, I, I've experienced grandparents' death and, and some others, but, you know, it wasn't quite to the level of, of, you know, mom and dad. So. Right. Well, and I think what's, what's interesting, I don't know that I've ever, ever made this connection before, but what it sounds like is that birth and death are truly these, I mean, they're the same kind of in that, you know, it's how life starts or ends, but, but they're different in that the kind of chaos and, and turmoil sometimes in the emotional stuff happens before the birth, right? And then after right. the birth, it's like this release and like, oh, they're here. They, you, it's over. You know, they, we, we're good. And then, and then with death, it's the absolute opposite of that, where you either you aren't privy to the fact that somebody is died or has died or are actively dying or you're there and you're, you know, um, hopefully in the best case scenario, you're, you know, you're, you're letting it happen and you're not trying to change the, the reality of it. And then, and then once it happens, that's when the true work begins because now it's this, this situation where again, you no longer have the person and there's, and there's loss. And then, um, moving through those five stages of grief, which which really, to be honest with you, the other thing that I'd like to point out is that that's not going to look the same for everybody. I mean, while there are five stages no. of grief, and that's true, I think that, you know, you and I could both experience a death tomorrow, and you might be over it, you know, and over it's a, a bad wording, but, you know, you might have made your peace with it in six months and I might not make my peace with it for, for 10 years. And I think that, yeah. I think that that's really the, the, the important part in a situation like death, when it, whenever you inevitably have to handle it, it's, it's a case of, of not trying to, not trying to, to speed up your own experience with it because there is no right way and there is no wrong way. There's just, you know, trying to be, patient with yourself and, and forgiving, forgiving, right. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we're going to keep going. I, I think I had some things that were, there was like a book that I had read, um, that sort of helped me in the grieving process, but I don't know, are we running low on time or are we going to keep going or no, I think we could probably, yeah, we can just keep going. And if it's, as long as it's not like another 30 more minutes, I'll just leave it as one. So if you want to talk about um, a b the book that really helps you and then we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up. Okay. So the book that I kind of, um, I'm not even sure how I found this book, but um, the book's called Option B, Facing Adversity, Building Resilience and Finding Joy. And it was written by... Cheryl Sandberg, who at the time she was the COO of Facebook, and I, I, I didn't look it up before we started recording, but I, I, I think she's still there. And then a gentleman named Adam Grant, w who helped her. Um, 
there was some pretty there's some some pretty interesting things that that she talked about in this of course she went through all the grief and all the sadness and and different things but um she she had a psychologist that um named Martin Seligman who identified three P's that can stunt someone's recovery and she called them the three P's. Um, so the first one was personalization, the belief that we are at fault. And of course we've kind of touched on that. Um, the second one is the pervasiveness, the belief that an event will affect all areas of our life. Um, and as far as that goes, you know, I think what happens when someone passes away or a bad situation in our life, we we can't we immediately go to that. We we pick up that tool and say, oh, this is going to affect everything in my life. I've got to figure out how to deal with that. Well, the reality is, it's not going to affect every part of your life. You need to you need to kind of look and see where what you need to focus on. Don't let it. Don't let it be a disaster. Don't let it be a tornado. Look for ways to look who you can look to for help and 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 get get yourself sort of on track about what you're you know how you're going to go forward in your life and don't let it affect everything. Not and that's very probably not an easy thing to, to say or do, but it would help if you could do that. The third thing was permanence the belief that the aftershocks of the event will last forever well you know that that's a topic again that um you know yes it is an event that occurred and it does it does have its place in history but it doesn't have to have the lasting effect and and as as, as it said the aftershock um where it continues to just berate you for years to come you 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 have to learn to work through things and and let people help you don't don't try to do it alone i um you know when when my dad died see i i had at that point he he died before i even had to come to grips with that that i would die before i i went on to my dialysis that we talked about last week but so, you know, and that, that's, that's really a different thing. But so for my dad, you know, I decided that I needed to go see um, a psychologist myself. And, and he really helped me to, you know, work myself through that and, and realize that I needed everybody's help for what they could give me. So, so that's something that, that someone that helped her do that and then a um the other telling thing the the reason for the name of the book which is option b is that a friend um told her option a is not available so let's just kick the ass out of option b right and you know again that's a very you know, you could say, well, that's, that's great, <laughs> but you have to take what's given you and you have to really work with what you're given. 
and that's that's in everything that's in work that's in you know your family or um just anything your personal life the time that you spend with yourself you have to decide you know you know those things so you know what i took from all that is that then then in the book it started talking about her experiences trying to get step back into life and her biggest thing that she had to overcome was the fact that you know she had to go be with other people and be with people that were co-workers or just people she knew or people that knew her husband and um what she found out for pretty quickly was that everybody that she came in contact with took an approach of either just ignoring the death and just kind of talking about something else, you know, how are your kids mm-hmm. or, um, you know, how's work going or whatever else. Um, and she said that, that those things just made her mad because, you know, how dare they ask about those things when her husband had died. So in talking to some, some people, um, she finally realized that, that the way things need to happen and that the way she was going to get over things was if people would say to anytime she had any, any interaction with anybody, if they would just say, how are you? And let me qual qualify that in that I I totally agree with that. I think that is, I think I've always struggled with what do I say to people when they've had a loss? I'm not good at it. Um, I can talk a lot, but that's one thing I'm not good at. But after reading that book, I've realized that's what you need to do because all these people want, they don't, they don't want you to well, they want you to say, how are you? And they want to be able to just talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then you just listen. All they need from you is a hug and for you to listen to them. That's what they need. They right. need to be able to bear the cross of just saying what they feel. And again, not trying to, you know, you don't, if you just say, how are you? And then you listen. And then when you feel like they've come to their conclusion of what they wanted to say, you just say, you know, look, I'm here for you or I'm praying for you or, you know, things are going to get better. And you hug them and you say, can I, you know, however you end your, your, you know, your time with them. Um, I think that's so important is that we, we consume ourselves in, and I'm no different. I, I consume myself with, I feel like I need to talk to people and then I need to like give them, give them information and like, you know, tell them what to do. And, and I think this is the whole reason that you and I have decided to have these conversations is that we can let people listen to it when they're maybe not in that time of need or whatever, and maybe it can help them. But when somebody's faced with a certain certainty of, of, of some bad in their life, they really, we all, all we need is how are you and just listen, just be there for somebody. And when I say be there for somebody, that means you just, just that don't give advice. Don't, don't point out the good, the bad. You just let them 
you know, express themselves. Right. Which, yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of what, what we've been talking about this whole time, which is that, you know, um, there's certain times in your life where you need to validate how you feel, but there's other times and really the most glaring one. And the only one that I can really think of right now where external validation is important is death. Um, and that external validation needs to be not trying to change it, not trying to sidestep it, not trying to, you know, not trying to ignore it because for that person, it happened, it sucks. And sometimes it just really helps for somebody to go, yeah, that really sucks. And I'm, I'm sorry. And, you know, I'm here to be a listening ear because you're absolutely right. I think what really happens in those situations where people don't want to talk about it, it's that fear manifested, which is the same thing as me being in front of a dying person and saying, oh, you're not going to die or, oh, don't leave me. It's like, that's just my fear being, you know, me projecting that back onto that person. Right. And so I think, yeah, it's really important for us to be able to to not project our own feelings because, um, you know, it happened for that person. It happened and we're just making it worse when we do that, which I've been guilty of it, too, of that, like, oh, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And, and you're right. Um, when When everybody acts like that and when everybody sits in that place of I don't know what to say. Um, then that person who experienced a loss is in a very lonely, empty place. And, and, and that's obviously not anyone's intention. Um, but yes, yeah, so I think if we can take from that. Yeah. Let me add this real quick. I, I know we're kind of running up against the, the end, but, um, one of my, um, cousins, that I was real close with from Alabama that I used to go see a lot. Um, her, um, her husband died not too long ago. And, you know, we went to the funeral and then later after that, you know, an Alabama funeral, there's always food right there. You don't even have to go back to somebody's home. It's at the church and the, (laughs) it's, it's quite a spread. But so we went back and we ate, you know, for the immediate family. And so, you know, we were talking and then I, I went over to her and I said, so how you doing? And she said, and I, and I loved it because she was able to be, you know, to, to find the, you know, the Easter egg in the whole thing. She said, she said, you know what? She said, I've realized now I spent my life telling Glenn to shut up and just quit talking so much. <laughs> and she said right now, what I wouldn't give for him to be sitting here and just talking. Yeah. So again, yeah, and it's, it's you just got to give the per- person the space to to process. And and it's hard to process in your mind alone. You need you need somebody to ask you how are you how are you doing and let them experience let them let something out. Right. Yeah, and I think I mean that's a really great place to end it because that encapsulates one of the other, I know, look, everybody's going to be so tired of me talking about Ramdas, but that's another one of the things that he has said and that I've heard you say, too, before you even knew, you know, before I even told you this. But but one of his big t- lessons was be here now. Be right. in the moment that you're in and let that be enough. And I think so often we try and move out 
of the current <laughs> spot in the river that we're in. We try and, you know, swim backwards or swim forwards. That's, that's you know, anxiety is, is, try, is trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And, and depression is, you know, not whatever. It's a preoccupation. Both of those things are preoccupations with not the present moment. And so I think right. in moments like death and in moments... I mean, in all our moments, if we can really work to be present with whatever it is that's happening, I think that we, I mean, we're all better off. And then not only are we being, you know, creating space for other people, but, you know, for ourselves, because that's another thing that is pervasive in our culture is the, the whole like, oh, hey, how are you? And then you just say good and that's it. It's, it's not a real question. And so... Another thing that I would offer, too, is especially when you're dealing with death. And I had a friend tell me this that she probably read in a book as well. But um, to, t- to add on the word today to the phrase, how are you doing? So how are you doing today? Which kind right. of breaks up the monotony of people that walk past in the office going, hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? <laughs> you know, that, that dumb yeah. small talk that doesn't really mean anything to anybody. It's yeah, like, it personalizes it a little bit. Right, and it gives them that opportunity to say, well, you know, I had a good day yesterday, but I'm having a really hard day today, and, 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 and gives them the space to talk about it. So that's not to say that how are you doesn't, you know, obviously it's better than not saying anything, but, but I don't know, maybe just adding that on to it, it, it kind of brings the person also, too, I think we, we try and run away from stuff. So if you ask somebody, how are you today, it gives them that chance to go, oh, you know, I haven't really thought about it today. And, and you know, yeah. so I don't know. I think, of course, a topic like this, I'll be honest with you, a topic like this is so hard to talk about in one sitting, like in one conversation. But right. what I really love about the times, because, of course, we've talked about this a lot together. Um, what I really love is I always, at the end of our conversation about death in relation to, you know, the people in our lives that are going to pass away ourselves and others. And then also just in the, in the larger, like grand scheme of it all, the human experience of death. I feel like even if we don't necessarily come to a resolution because there's not a resolution for something like this, like it, uh, you, you're still going to experience the loss. There's no way to to negate that or change that. But right. I think that I always just feel better because, again, it's that idea of allowing somebody to feel whatever it is that they're feeling. And that's so important. Um, and so I don't know. I just I am so grateful that uh I have that space with you that I can talk to you about anything, even something as heavy as death. Cause I know I've done it before where I call you and literally just go, okay, I want to talk about death. And, and, and you greet me with, you know, open arms and, and no topic, you know, no stone left unturned. Well, I, I, yes, I agree with that. And um, I would say that, you know, yeah, I know that you, a lot of times you feel like I've really helped you, but I can honestly say that, you know, our conversations and, and talks, um, you know, they help me 
as much, if not more. So it's, it's, it's a good thing. Well, I think that's a good place to end. So until next time. I look forward to our next conversation. (laughs) Love you. All right. Love you. Bye. Bye.